Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. So it is that time of year we are preparing for the High Holy Days. And in addition to writing sermons, putting together services, coordinating with our production team, which I never thought was going to be part of High Holy Day preparation. We also have to find the stories that we're going to tell at the children's service. And I hope it's okay. I'm going to share with you all the story that I'm going to tell at Rosh Hashanah. I'm assuming most of you are not going to be at our children's services. Everyone I see here, um, I think will be able to be with us for our main sanctuary service. Eva and Judd, I know are joining us from home, but they've heard this story many, many times, so I'm not worried. And some of you have heard me tell this story before as well, but it's, it's, a, it's a good one, and, and I think it tells us a lot that we can learn about in today's world. Um, you're gonna hear the abbreviated version. Um, the story is about a town that hears that the great rabbi is coming to visit, and you all know great rabbis enjoy uh, their wine. And this town happens to be a town known for its great wine. Everyone in town has a vineyard and, and makes wine. So the mayor of the town says, as we're getting ready for the great rabbi's visit, we are going to have a great feast when, uh, when she arrives. So we are going to fill our water tower with our best wine. So every week on Friday before Shabbat, you need to come with a pitcher of your best wine, and you'll go up the ladder, you'll fill it in, and in a month's time, we'll be ready for our feast. Well, the story then zooms in on one couple that says, how are we going to give four pitchers of our best wine? That's a lot of money. That's a big sacrifice. We, we can't do that. And they come to the realization, pitchers don't think of those clear plastic pitchers like we have today. These were clay pitchers that you can't see through. So they said, who's going to know what we bring? If we fill our pitcher with water, everyone else in town is going to bring their wine. No one's going to know the difference. Well, then the story goes through each week. They, they bring the, the water. They get more comfortable each week. The first week, they're really worried. They're really nervous. But telling these, this, this small lie, not um, giving the best of what they have, gets easier each time. By the fourth time, he's bragging. He's saying, oh, this wine that I have, this is the best wine I've ever made, as he pours his water into the wine tower. Well, sure enough, we get to the day of the great rabbi's arrival. She climbs the ladder. She's going to pour out the first cup of wine. And what comes out? Water. Right? Everyone in the town had 
the exact same idea. So the lesson of the story is that you can't assume that other people are going to do the work. Each of us has the obligation to give the best of what we have. Now, I like to think of it with a little bit of a flip. What if everyone really had contributed the best of what they had? How rewarding would it have been to have opened the spout and seen the product of so much work? And even more importantly, if there really were one or two families who were struggling, who used water instead of wine, it would have been fine. For in a community, we're able to hold up our members who need a helping hand. Now, this story not only teaches the importance of each member to the greater community, but it also teaches the importance of the community to each of its members. Now, this week's Torah portion, Ki Tetzay, found in the second half of the book of Deuteronomy, has more individual mitzvot, more laws, than any other portion in the Torah. And many of them are horrible. Many of them are the laws that show the fear the people had toward anything that was different. Many of them are, um, I guess, more R-rated that we wouldn't talk about with our kids. But a lot of these laws really go down to that core of what is our obligation to our community. If you see your fellow's ox or sheep gone astray, do not ignore it. You must take it back to your fellow. If your fellow does not live near you, or you don't know who he is, you shall bring the ox or sheep to your home, and it shall remain with you until your fellow claims it. Then you shall give it back to him. You shall do the same with anything your fellow loses and you find. You must not remain indifferent. In Exodus, we see a different telling of this law, which tells us that even if that lost property belongs to your worst enemy, it's your obligation to take those same steps to return it. As in the story here, we see our obligation to look out for our neighbor, for our fellow community member, even if we don't like them, and even when the inherent cost and nuisance to our own lives is high in doing so. This Torah portion also forbids one from charging interest when loaning to a member of the community, thus making loans a form of tzedakah, helping someone to get back on their feet rather than making it more difficult for them to do so. Another law in this week's Torah portion teaches that when you are in your fellow community member's vineyard, now we're back to the wine, you may eat as many grapes as you want, but the portion warns, you must not put any in your vessel. In other words, it can be assumed that we share within a community, not only with those in need, right? We have other Torah portions that say you leave the corner of your field unharvested for the poor, the widow, and the stranger. But this says anyone, anyone can take any grapes that they want from any vineyard, but no doggy bags, right? You can't take with you which teaches us not to, abuse, not to abuse the privilege, showing that community responsibility goes in multiple directions. Now, every once in a while, I come across a section of Torah that I don't recall having read before. And in this case, I have no clue how I missed it. 
And it's one more law that speaks to responsibility to one's community. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 13 through 15, gives the following law for when an army is camping during a battle. Furthermore, there shall be an area for you outside the camp where you may relieve yourself. With your gear, you shall have a spike, and after you have squatted, you shall dig a hole with it and cover up your excrement. Since the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you, let your camp be holy. Let God not find anything unseemly among you and turn away from you. Now, I share this with you not only because the seven-year-old boy in me loves that this is in the Torah, and not only because the former Cub Scout in me loves that the Torah teaches the number one camping rule, leave no trace, but I'm most fascinated by the reason that's given for the law. It's not so that the camp doesn't smell or so that your fellow soldier doesn't step in anything undesired. I wish my dogs would learn how to follow this law. But the reason given is that God dwells within the camp. Unlike our previous laws, it's not one's relationship to their neighbor or to the community, but rather it is a relationship to God that's guiding this law. But doesn't God also dwell outside the camp and anywhere else where such activities might take place? So isn't the real reason still being considerate for the others in your community? According to the theology of Martin Buber, the two are one and the same. And the intersection is the reason behind each of the mitzvot that I've mentioned. God exists, according to Buber, in our truest relationships with one another. When we give to another with no expectation of anything in return, when we love another for who they are, when our own actions are guided by the desire to strengthen those around us, even though it might mean a little more work for us, or we might see better results for ourselves if we acted differently, these are the relationships and the moments that define the existence of God in our world. Our Torah was written during a time in which bringing our animals the best of what we had and offering them as a burnt offering to God was the way in which we showed our love to God. We are continued to ask to sacrifice today, but we have to think of it differently. The wine that we bring to our water tower is our ability to put the other before ourselves to put greater community needs ahead of individual wants, to bury our own excrement so that others don't have to worry about stepping in it. Sorry, I couldn't resist. So here we are in the month of Elul, closer to Rosh Hashanah than any of the clergy and staff of Shari Tzedek or any synagogue want to admit. But we're beginning to think if there were a God who judged, how would we be judged for our past year? Or as Buber might ask, if we were judged by our relationship with others, by our relationship to the greater world, how would we be judged for this past year? 
So as we prepare for the last two weeks of Elul, hearing the shofar blasting in our hearts, we pray that more and more in our world will fill their pitchers with the best of what they have, that more and more in our world will prioritize the greater well-being of our world over any individual pettiness or baseless fears, that no unseemly things will taint our efforts to work toward health and toward peace. And most of all, we pray that the wine tower of our world will again flow with that which is created when we see God in all of our neighbors, when we see God in our relationship to the world around us. Kenya Hiratson, may this be God's will.